Discover what's happening around our province with todayinbc.com. Sign up today to get the latest news right to your inbox and never miss the news that's important to you and your family. From community news in your neighborhood to what's happening in our province, your source for daily news is todayinbc.com. The definition of a tourist is a person who is traveling or visiting a place for pleasure. It's not work-related, and they're only there for the purpose of being somewhere purely for the experience of being there. And tourism is big business here in B.C., in 2019, the tourism industry generated $22.3 billion in revenue. That's an increase, a 5.6% increase over 2018, and a 67.8% increase from 2009. Now remember, that's pre-COVID tourism numbers, but that's another can of worms. But when do you think the first tourists came to the Caribou area? Well... You're going to find out in today's episode. Hello again and welcome to the Haphazard History of the Caribou podcast. If you're new here, this show is about the stories dating back into the local history of central BC, primarily the Caribou Chilcotin area. Once again, a huge thank you to the Williams Lake Tribune for the opportunity to bring these stories written by Barry Sale to life for you here. Barry writes the incredibly popular Haphazard History column monthly in the printed edition of the Williams Lake Tribune. Welcome to Haphazard History, stories of the pioneers, people, and places of the Caribou Chilcotin region of BC. Now, here's Jason Ryle. We all know the importance of tourism to our region, but we tend to think of this industry as a fairly recent phenomenon. The fact is that people have been coming to the area just to look at what it has to offer ever since the days of the original gold rush. The earliest recorded tourism visit to the Caribou was by two English gentlemen, Lord Viscount Milton and Dr. Walter B. Cheadle. Lord Milton was a young, willful aristocrat who had decided that he wanted to see Canada for himself and Dr. Cheadle was retained by the Milton family to escort the impetuous young man to see to his health and to ensure that no harm came to him. By their own admission, the pair were a party pleasure, and their adventures in tourism began when they arrived by steamship in Quebec on July 2, 1863. They began their journey across the continent and made it to Fort Edmonton, where they spent the winter. In the spring of 1863, they set out across the Rockies, following the route of the overlanders to Tejon Cache and then south to Fort Kamloops. They reached the North Thompson River at the beginning of August. While attempting to ford the river, they lost all of their provisions. Tea, tobacco, flour, sugar, axes, frying pans, beddings and tents, all gone. Fortunately, a First Nations family came along and helped them out, but the young lord became more peevish and ill-tempered every day at their losses. Dr. Cheadle tried to remain cheerful and positive, but it really took all the diplomacy he could muster. After a very difficult fortnight's travel, the party made it to Fort Kamloops, and from there the journey got considerably easier. From Kamloops, they took a stage to Yale, and then they traveled by steamer to Fort Victoria, where they disembarked on September 19th. 
In Victoria, Lord Milton was in his mayu. He was invited to the opera, ballet, teas, dinner parties, and was entertained in grand style. This went on for a week or so, but then the intrepid travelers felt that it was time to leave. They wanted to visit the Caribou Gold Fields, and winter was coming. So they set out for Barkerville, going by the Harrison Lake route up to Lillooet, then by stage era, the new Caribou Wagon Road to Soda Creek. From there, they boarded the Sternwheeler Enterprise for Quinell. Dr. Cheadle wrote, Steamer came in at two o'clock, bringing a lot of miners, two of whom were very drunk and continued to imbibe every five minutes. After being aboard a short time, the captain found out who we were, gave us the use of his cabin, and supplied us with cigars and a decanter of cocktails, also books and paper. Every few minutes we were fetched out to have a drink with someone. He further wrote, The cap told us the boat was built on the river, all the timbers sawn by hand, her shaft in five pieces packed up on mules, cylinders in two pieces, boiler plates brought in the same manner. Boats cost 75000 From Quinell, the party walked to Barkerville. There, Lord Milton's presence aroused a plethora of social events. There were dinners and parties everywhere, and the two were given demonstrations of gold panning, sluicing, and water wheeler. They saw as many displays of specimen nuggets that Dr. Cheadle began to wonder whether the specimens were being used over and over again. When the snow began to fly in mid-October, they left Barkerville and returned to Quinell, where they called on Captain Doan aboard the Enterprise. About this visit, Dr. Cheadle wrote, Cocktail every few minutes and champagne lunch afterward. Happiest man I ever saw. Stewart tells me he takes a cocktail every ten minutes while on board. Very jolly fellow. Had to give a keg of brandy to his men before they would haul the steamer on the shore. Gave them a champagne dinner on being paid off today, and we heard them singing away below deck. Milton and Cheadle had arrived back in Quinell on the very day the Enterprise was taken out of the water for the winter. They then had to make the journey to Soda Creek in an open boat with 40 passengers crowded into it, and of course, no life jackets at the time. From Soda Creek, they walked to the Deep Creek area, or 164-mile house, where they spent the night, and then traveled on to Davidson's at 150-mile house. Here, they spent nearly a week, waiting for the BX stagecoach. While they were there, Frank Way, the proprietor of Deep Creek House, arrived seeking surgical assistance. He had been in a drunken row with an Irishman, and he had his lower lip almost bitten off, and a finger almost bitten off to the bone, wrote Cheadle. I stitched it up for him, making a very neat job, but foolishly refused any fee. By mid-November, the travelers had arrived in Ashcroft, where they found another stage to take them to Yale. Their adventures were not quite over, since the coach began to disintegrate spring by spring on the journey, and finally the hitching pole broke off while they were on an 800-foot precipice above the Fraser River near Lytton. Our two tourists were pretty thankful to get out and walk the rest of the way to Yale. They finally arrived at Victoria at the end of November 
and after another round of social events and gatherings, they left by steamship to return to England via the tip of South America. Upon their return, they wrote a best-selling book, The Northwest Passage by Land, which generated a rush of settlers and gold seekers to the New World. And now, two jagged peaks in the Rockies, Mount Milton and Mount Cheadle, are named in the memory of these first tourists to our province. For this episode, Barry relied heavily on a little book entitled Fur and Gold by John Pearson. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing. You can find and subscribe from most major platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon, and Audible. You're also able to listen in without a subscription from the Williams Lake Tribune website, wltribune.com, and new episodes come out every month. Once again, a huge thank you out to the Tribune and to Barry Sale for placing their trust in me in producing this podcast. Our next episode of Haphazard History will be the story of the Mad Russian's Island. I'm Jason Ryle. Thanks for listening. Discover what's happening around our province with todayinbc.com. Sign up today to get the latest news right to your inbox and never miss the news that's important to you and your family. From community news in your neighborhood to what's happening in our province, your source for daily news is todayinbc.com.